Welcome to the Ride With Us podcast, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, the world's largest ride enthusiast organization dedicated to the appreciation, promotion, and preservation of roller coasters around the globe. So please keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times as we welcome your hosts, Jessica Gardner and John Davidson. Hello, enthusiasts. Did you know that Ace has a documentary team? In 2016, they released a full-length documentary called The Legacy of Aero Development, which has had, at this time of recording in July 2023, almost 1.5 million views on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, you have to. It is so good. And an easy way to find it is to go to our website, ridewithace.com, click on the menu, then coasters, then documentaries. And I say documentaries, plural, because right now the documentary team is hard at work on another full-length doc to be released in late 2024. The trailer is out. Oh my goodness, it's so good. You get chills watching it. The documentary is going to be called The Legacy of Schwarzkopf. Oh yeah, get excited. The team recently got together, and by the way, these four guys are just so great at what they do. I'd consider all of them my friends. They wanted to give us an update on how it's going so far and tell us some fun stories from the road, some of which are a Coaster fan's dream. Please welcome a familiar voice if you've listened to the podcast since before I've been on. Take it away, Chris Roberry. Well, hello, everybody. And yes, it is a familiar voice coming back at you. This is Chris Roberry, and we are here with the crew of Legacy of Schwarzkopf. We have Nicholas Lasquich, we have Robert Engel, and we have Scott Schaefer all the way from Europe because we dragged his butt out of bed just to talk with us. Guys, how are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be here to talk about all this with y'all. Yeah, we're excited to uh, discuss Legacy of Schwarzkopf and travel shenanigans and be on the Ace podcast for the first time. Yeah, it's 4.16 in the morning. I'm exhausted, but I am happy to be here and thrilled to talk about Schwarzkopf. Wonderful. So let's start with a brief background here uh, with everyone on the team so that everyone gets to know everybody, let's just say. Nicholas, let's start with you. Uh, what got you into doing documentaries for Ace? Yeah, so documentaries. I've been I've been doing documentaries for Ace just about ten years now, and it you know I, I got into it originally thanks to you, Chris. Actually, you know, it sort of fell into my lap when we met at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk back in December of 2012, essentially. And we you know you talked about this idea about doing a series on lost amusement parks of the Bay Area and. As a history buff myself, I was very intrigued by the idea of partnering with uh, Great American Thrills, partnering with Ace and doing this whole like, you know, there's an audience ready to see all this content. And so, you know, we ended up doing this six episode web series out of nothing. You know, we had no experience. I had never used Adobe Premiere. I never had like done a story based anything ever. None of us had really. And so, you know, we learned uh, through those first few episodes. And then, you know, Robert jumped in partway through that. And then fast forward to the end of that series, we learned about a company called Aero Development. Uh, when we were doing our Frontier Village episode, there's a tiny little plug in there. And we thought, well, what's hard about doing a longer version of the Lost Parks episode? <laughs> yeah, that laugh should be all you need. <laughs> a hell of a lot more work than you would think. 
should be, you know, in a few month project should be half hour. No, no, well over an hour, you know, still amazing. We were able to do it in basically a year. And so fast forward from that, we did a path to railblazer. And now we're doing this little project on Schwarzkopf, which is going to be a pretty big deal from an ace perspective and from an enthusiast perspective, just from all the people that have chipped in money and been talking about it. Robert, how did you get involved in the documentary process? That is a very good question because I joined ACE back in 2013. And that's originally where I met Nicholas at. And we just were the same age and naturally have the same hobbies and just became really good friends. And then he introduced me to you. I don't really remember the first time we both like had that first meeting. But Lost Parks was already established and you guys were looking for more crew members to help with. So fast forward one summer, I'm in a car with Chris and Nicholas. I barely know Chris, barely know Nicholas. And I'm going to Manteca, California, which is like two hours away from my hometown in the middle of nowhere to film uh, water slides, (laughs) basically in a dirt field. (laughs) And... That's where I'm at today, now filming another documentary. That's how we get you, man. We promise yeah. you go see some abandoned water park stuff, and you're, you're off. Scott, tell us a little bit about what you've done with the industry, because people may know you as Scott Schaefer, but they probably know you as something else, don't they? I've been doing video production for the attractions industry for almost 10 years now. I um, actually started a little company called uh, Upstart Media, and it's kind of an attractions-focused photo-video uh, production company. Uh, we specialize in like on-ride photography and on-ride video as well. So point-of-view videos, things like that. I guess aside from doing a lot of contracted work, I was also part of the team for This Is How We Roll a documentary about Rocky Mountain construction. I spent a couple of years filming that. I'm just passionate about filming rides. I'm passionate about filming roller coasters. And Anton Schwarzkopf is obviously one of my all-time favorite ride designers and ride manufacturing companies. And so this is just kind of a natural fit. And you all also use a lot of my content for the AeroDoc too. So yeah, when you, know. you want POV video done, there's basically one person you need to call. And that's Scott. Because Scott knows what he's doing. And we saw this on this trip, right, Scott, when we were doing POV, the parks were like, that's it, that it only took that long. Yeah. Why, why should it take longer? Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the time when I'm working, when I'm filming, it's going to be first thing in the morning, camera mounted to a train. And let's say I have two hours to get as much done. You know, I'm going to get as much done as I can in that two hour space. You know, the Coaster Force YouTube channel is kind of demonstrates that you can go on there and literally watch various point of view videos of roller coasters all around the world. And, you know, in order to get that content, man, you got to be, you got to be fast and you really got to know what you're doing. Most definitely, because we're not talking about just, Hey, you lost a GoPro. You're talking about, there's some serious damage that could be done to the ride. If your camera decides to, you know, yeet on over to, you know, somewhere it's not supposed to go. Right. Aside from the fact that the roller coaster train is you know often one of the most expensive parts of the ride you know you can you, you can damage the train you can do you know thousands tens of thousands hundred thousand dollars of the damage quickly you know there's just so, so much that can go wrong there but the biggest fear of course is 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 hurting somebody because if a camera and a rig were to come off a vehicle and hit somebody you could seriously hurt and or kill them so you know there's always 
there's always that. You really have to know what you're doing when you're putting a camera on something that goes 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, pulls 5Gs, goes upside down, you know, things like that. You really got to be on top of your game. Definitely. And that's why we wanted to make sure that you were a part of this film, because we knew that when it came to POV, Scott's the man. Well, I can speak from when we tried to do it for Legacy of Arrow on our own. It was, I would say, very stressful, very time consuming and not necessarily very professional. And it, uh, you know, it turned out great in the end, but it's really fantastic to have a dedicated crew member who is skilled in that area and can totally focus on that, which gives us all a chance to focus on our respective strong points and to overall make a much better product. If I just kind of tie into that a little bit, just for example, when we were filming at Over Texas recently, that shoot was perfect, to be honest, because we each had our own job. And I don't think any of us were really stressing like we were on Legacy of Arrow, where we're like, okay, we have to do all this in such a small amount of time. And all three of us have to literally do everything. So it was just so much help. It flowed a lot better, I felt like, compared to Legacy of Arrow. Not that Legacy of Arrow didn't, but yeah, there was definitely the time constraints. Because one of the things that that we sort of promise the parks, and we made a promise to ourselves as well, uh, sometimes to our own detriment, is that we don't want to interrupt operations. Because we feel like that's, you know, these folks have come to these parks. They probably paid a lot of money to get in. This might be their one chance to come to the park this year. And they come on the day when some film crew is tying up the ride. Like, we don't want to be those people. Now, I've said to our detriment, because as uh, Nicholas and Robert will attest to, we had an opportunity at Busch Gardens Williamsburg to shut down the Big Bad Wolf temporarily during the middle of the day so that they could run the trains in sync and we could get the shot of both trains going through the loop at the same time. And we said no, because we didn't want to interrupt operations. And I think we're still slapping ourselves for it. If yeah, I, I think I'm going to slap you as well for that because <laughs> they give you that opportunity. I mean, that's that's such an iconic, epic thing that, oh, oh I'm so mad at you. It will, anyway. <laughs> it will live on through the classic Arrow video B-roll and we'll just have to kind of go with it from there. So, and by the way, if you want to slap me, just get in line, dude. It's all good. <laughs> There's I, no I fast passes for this line though. I will jump in here, Chris. And say you did say uh, Big Bad Wolf, not Loch Ness Monster, just yeah. now. Did so, I just say that? Oh, man. You say did Big say Bad Big Bad Wolf. Let's talk a little bit more about the documentary, because that's what people really want to hear, honestly. <laughs> Robert, you alluded to it. So our first shots for this documentary started at Six Flags Over Texas. And boy, did we pick the summer to come out and enjoy the lovely, humid, and just perfect temperatures uh in the whole state no it was miserable it was um about 95 degrees that day but it was about 60 percent humidity so we were we were sweating pretty darn good yeah if you were following along on ace's social medias at all you can see the picture like the group photos of us that were posted you could literally see the sweat just drenched on our shirts it looked like we got off a log ride or rapids or something but no that was just from filming that day (laughs) and we got a bit of a surprise too when we were up in the station so the national roller coaster museum had uh, been able to create some badging for the schwarzkopf trains and it turns out that the park quietly added them the night before so we had those 
classic Schwarzkopf train badges in every single one of our shots. That was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, it just goes to show how the effects that our work and ACE's work as a whole has had on the greater industry. We've all been to IAPA, and, 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 or at least some of us have been to IAPA. Some of us will be going to IAPA for the first time this year. <laughs> uh, but we've spoken to many people in the industry who have walked up to us and said, you know, we saw your work on Legacy Vero and it made me appreciate the history. And we've had companies come up to us. And so it's really cool to see parks doing this sort of thing where they're realizing that that history is important. And they're, they're doing it because they now feel that they appreciate it. Scott, how did you think your first Legacy of Schwarzkopf shoot went in the deep in the heat of Texas? Oh, boy, was it hot. And that's the thing, too. Like, I get so hyper-focused when I'm mounting cameras that I forget about things like, hey, maybe I should be drinking water. Yeah. You know, or, or hey, it's, it's like 100 degrees out. But I was just thrilled with the way that, that it went. The thing is, when, you, when you're doing on-ride uh, video, you can look at all the photos you want of a roller coaster train, but like the day of when you show up, like th- there's just things that you won't see in a photo that you won't, won't even see in a scout sometimes. You know, you really have to touch and feel everything before you put a camera on it. So I was really nervous <laughs> at first. And then once I showed up and just kind of in my mind, kind of how I pictured mounting the cameras, do, doing the rigs, like everything just, everything's worked out. And it was like flawless. I couldn't believe how well it went because it's just one of those things where it's like things go wrong that you would never even foresee. And you always have to be ready to adapt to those challenges. And that was not an issue. You know, it just, everything went perfect. It was incredible. So it's great to have a solid point of view videos and, you know, on-ride footage of this, of this classic ride. I mean, one of my favorite shorts cough. So it was an honor to film it, but it also, I, I just, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. I think it's like a sleeper shorts cough. Cause a lot of folks think of Mindbender when they think of the classic shorts cough coaster, but mm-hmm. boy, shockwave just does a lot of things in my personal opinion, just a little bit better. Uh, it's that first half is nothing but positive G's. And then the second half is nothing but ejector air. And we're talking like RMC ejector air before RMC. Most people at RMC were born and Anton was doing this stuff (laughs) back in the late seventies. I mean, some of those airtime moments of that ride are my favorite airtime moments in the park. And that's at a park that has an RMC. So (laughs) right. Yeah. The original RMC, no less Nicholas and Robert, you all got a chance to shoot the ride from the go-kart track, which is right next to shockwave. Did that ever cross your mind? Like I'm kind of on a racetrack right now. And just like, did it ever settle in or was it just more, I got to be focused because I want to make sure I get these shots. I made sure to pay attention to my surroundings. I always tried like on these trips, these filming trips to like take everything in, you know what I mean? Because these are lifetime memories, you know, it's, it's something we all are going to remember for the rest of our lives. So want to enjoy it. But yeah, I did notice that like, yeah, I'm standing in Six Flags Lower Texas go-kart track and it was cool. Because I never really noticed how low to the ground shockwave gets and how tiny some of those little nub supports or if you even want to call it a support because it just kind of looks like the track is sitting right on the cement footer. And also just seeing how much that structure shakes when the, when the train's coming through the course. It's really cool. 
Yeah, it was it was really neat to, from my side of things, uh, focus on some of the other sections of the ride under the lift and under the first turn when Robert was over in the go-kart track. So there was a bit of a, a hillside and somewhat of a bridge that goes over the river that goes under the ride. And so there were really some really fantastic reflective shots with the water where you could see the loops. So going back to the comment about splitting up the, the duties of what we all did, you know, Robert was focusing on you know, zoom shots with zoom lens and I was focusing on some of the wider stuff, but it was it was neat to kind of have free reign to go kind of anywhere under the coaster structure. So that was fun to sort of, you know, use our each of our own eyes uh, to create that common goal of this documentary. And one of the cool parts is that while all this is going on, so while Scott's doing his POV, while Nicholas and Robert are climbing in and around the structure, I'm flying overhead with the drone and man, we, this thing was covered. Like we, there's not an inch of that ride that we didn't capture that day. And if there is, we'll just have to go back and get it again because it was just that much fun. Okay. We get done and we're pounding waters like crazy. And God bless the whole team at Six Flags Over Texas who knew that we were not going to be able to pound water like we should have. So we're pounding the waters somehow through a miracle of space age technology we get about 20 bags worth of camera gear and luggage into my new Ford Escape. And I mean, it is just like falling over in the back. I don't know how we did it, but somehow we did. (laughs) And we just, we get in the car and we book it immediately to Bucky's because (laughs) no road trip is complete without a trip to Bucky's. So, okay, we go to Bucky's and like, that can't be the end of the day. No, because when it comes to a lost parks or legacy of shoot, we got to just do something else immediately. So craziness as it is, we jump in the car after Bucky's and we get loaded up in brisket and kolaches and plenty of soda and more water. And we go a short drive, five additional hours up to Amarillo, Texas and to Wonderland. And the reason we're up there is because we want to do some shooting uh, with Scott But we also want to get a little bit more background on our ACE documentary, which we're also doing. So we got an opportunity for the first time for these three to meet up with the great Gary Slade of Amusement Today, who is good friends with the Borchart family, which runs Wonderland. And guys, meeting Gary, kind of an experience, right? Uh, Kind of an experience. (laughs) I I would... Having, I guess, been a fan of, you know, Amusement Today since I was a kid, and meeting the guy behind it and just, I mean, he he's, that man is Texas and just having the opportunity. I spent some time in the car with him and, and things like that. And I mean, man, you go on a half hour car ride with him and you're getting out of the car, man, you're, you're, you're crying from laughing so hard, I guess is, is a good way to put it. Uh, and I know Chris does a great impression of him as well. That is right. I, I certainly do. But uh, since I know, I, I, all right, you talk me into it. Right, basically, the the impression is just one word. That's all it is. But it, it's it's a trigger for all these guys now. Whenever I just go, all right, like, that's Gary. <laughs> there it is. I just call him up now and just go, all right, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> You're all just getting over that. there. We're going to go down this way and then we'll take care of it. All right. So, yeah, that's pretty much that's Gary. God bless you, Gary. And I, I know you don't. Um, listen to podcasts. So that's why it's okay for me to do this. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) he's definitely going to pull us up on his iPhone. I I guarantee he'll be tweeting us momentarily. I I have no (laughs) doubt whatsoever. (laughs) So we get to wonderland and thank goodness, as crazy as it sounds, a thunderstorm is sort of chasing us halfway there. 
And so it actually starts cooling down the temperatures for us just enough to the point it's like 75 degrees outside. It was pleasant for the that time. So we get Scott out there. He records POV on every single coaster, including the dark ride, which is one of a kind at Wonderland. Fantastic journey. And then Scott has a moment, a, a very personal moment on Cyclone, which is uh, the wild mouse there. Now, for again, those who are not uh, big on the West Texas parks, which I don't blame you, but definitely get out there if you get a chance. The wild mouse there has no restraints. It is a single person car. It is as wild as they come. And Scott, you kind of fell in love with it, didn't you? That's just the thing is that doing what I do, especially, you know, with YouTube, I have the opportunity to ride and film roller coasters, hundreds of them. So very rarely does a ride impress me and never does a ride scare me. <laughs> but when, when I go to board this thing and I go to get the vehicle and the entire thing pivots on its wheels, I was like, okay, this is, wait, where's the seatbelt? Wait. <laughs> and I honestly, I mean, like this ride is ranked for me. Like it's a, like it's in my top 20. I mean, it's better than most roller coasters and it's just the sheer fear factor of it. And just the sheer, it's like half fear factor and half like, nostalgia like they don't make rides like that anymore they won't make rides like that anymore those rides are just getting more and more rare to the day and you know thank god for things like the like the roller coaster museum that have things like this preserved but that experience oh i was holding on and like white knuckling this thing and it was like a legit fear and it was to the point where like I barely ever record like a rider reaction for, for YouTube. And I was like, no, I, I need to film myself riding this. This is just way too ridiculous and crazy. Oh, love that ride. I like, I want to go back just for that ride. Right. So when you watch that rider reaction video, look for the other passengers on the other cars. They'll all be in the same Schwarzkopf blue shirts. So that'll be all of us because we had to keep the ride running because it can't run with empty cars because of, you know, wind and other issues. So we had basically had to take Scott, like drag him off that thing. Like he loved it that much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then to top everything off too, like there was storms to the north of us, storms to the south, storms to the east and, and storms to the west in typical Texas fashion. So when you watch the video, look at the background. And I, I mean, you'll see these crazy Texas storms all around us. And we had the little kind of beacon. It was, it was like we're in the eye of the storm almost. It was, it was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So as if the coasters, which are certainly quite unique at that park, weren't enough. Then we get to hang out with the park owners, Paul and Paula Borchart, who happen to have like a little house built into the park. All of a sudden you go in like, oh, it's like a little storage shed. And you open up like, oh, it's their kitchen. And there's the living room. And we, we must have spoken there with what, two, three hours, just talking about the industry, talking about the history. So you've got Paul and Paula along with Gary sort of giving all these incredible stories about the park, about things in general. And it was really special, wasn't it, Nicholas? Yeah, I got to say, there's been many got to pinch myself moments throughout the past 10 years of filming things. But this trip started throwing stuff at us like that on right away. And, you know, I, I never would have expected to tell somebody I would have blended margaritas with the owners of a theme park in Texas and live, you know, chilling in their kitchen that's at the park. Like, that sentence is never something I would have expected myself to say. And it's certainly one of the best memories of the trip. And uh, those margaritas did not stop coming either. So, no, he kind of <laughs> insisted to be quite I am honest. lucky to be able to remember this well and be able to tell you about it tonight. 
<laughs> I honestly think we would have stayed longer if we didn't have to get up like film the next day. We probably would have been there all night. <laughs> well, that's what Gary was saying is that there sometimes their conversations have gone till three, four in the morning, which is crazy. But then again, if you know Gary, that's not out of the realm of possibility. No. And that, that whole experience was just like quintessential hospitality, family theme park. It reminded me a lot of some of the folks that run the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and the family atmosphere that you get there and the care they put into not only the park, but the people. And that's a real big aspect. And so that was, you know, the fact that they were opening their doors for us and being so gracious and welcoming the people that they had basically just met, you know, that that's a testament to, to what that family does and, and the legacy they're leaving at Wonderland. And that's one of the cool things you know about this, Nicholas, from working with Santa Cruz for so many years, you know, in terms of doing ACE projects with them. Uh, And Scott, I think you'll attest to this too. You've been to so many parks, that experience, you just don't get anymore, right? It's just, it's so different now that they're, you know, this last of a dying breed, but it's so cool to be able to be able to preserve that and more importantly, to experience it. That's why I'm always such a big fan of, yes, you've got to support your local family-owned parks. Yeah. Between the fact that, you know, he's telling us about how he burns through blenders making these margaritas (laughs) and the fact that he took all the popcorn from the park that wasn't sold and that's what we're eating. It was awesome. (laughs) Waste not. And that was good popcorn too. That was very good. Yeah. It was very good popcorn. (laughs) So yes, if you get an opportunity and you're making a West Texas swing, Head through Amarillo, check out Wonderland Park. Man, it's got a bunch of kitsch attractions and it's really absolutely just worth your time. Support that local family park around you. Man, it's it's just wonderful. It really is. So, okay. So we had a chance to uh, really get to know the board charts and just basically fall in love with that park. Again, we took had to take Scott off Cyclone, kicking and screaming. <laughs> uh, and That was not the end of this trip, though. Oh, goodness, no. So we've already started in Dallas. Then we've gone all the way up to Amarillo, which is like a five and a half hour drive. And then we have to drive an hour south to Plainview. And you're thinking to yourself, self, what in the heck is in Plainview? It's in the name. It's just a plain view. Well, let me tell you, not only is it home to Larson International, creators of the Superloop, among many other attractions that they create, the Freefall Towers as well, but also... It happens to be home to the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives. Now, spoiler, actually I should say disclaimer, uh, I volunteer for the museum. So I have had an opportunity to go out there multiple times and check it out, do photos for it, do a lot of social media for it. These three never had a chance to get out there before. So I'm just going to go down the line. Nicholas, the moment you walked in, what's the first thing that hit you? Well, the first thing that hit me was my jaw after it rebounded off the floor. That's the first thing that hit me. I, well, you know, the, the, the NRCMA, I, uh, you know, for the longest time was like a myth to me. You know, it's been in development for so long. It started out as an ACE project and spun off as its own separate nonprofit and has been slowly raising money over the many years. And many people, including myself, wondered if, you know, what was there and, and, and what was going on there. And so to be able to to see, you know, the decades of effort that have gone into this place and the just the the quality of the of the archives materials that are in there, whether it's blueprints, whether it's tickets or ride vehicles, signage, any of that. And then just seeing how far the museum has come from a few cars to a full building and displays and, you know, just how close the museum 
is compared to 20 years ago when, when things were much more in its infancy. I was awestruck, really, simply put, and I could easily have spent multiple entire days there in, in each room, just going through things and, and, you know, reminiscing about parks you may have gone up, you know, grown, grown up going to and seeing what the archives has. It was, yeah, simply put, I was just amazed. Robert? Sensory overload. That's one way to describe it. Just because I agree with all that. Like I was skeptic, thought it was a myth, never, I personally never even thought I would ever see it, but here I am in the middle of Texas in this warehouse, seeing all this amazing theme park history, amusement history, and just industry history as well. And I was very impressed just because the museum, it doesn't look like much at the moment, but it's really further along than what you might think just because a lot of the placement for the exhibits and stuff has all been thought out. For example, disaster transport. It's literally a giant piece of the trough and the vehicle. You can't just set that on the ground because it's going to sink or damage whatever. So yeah, the museum had to dig footings to set that down so it can be preserved forever. So one of my favorite things was the uh, Mark Moore Memorial one, just because it's a it's a big building and it's going to be a lot of exhibits in there. There's already like kind of a demo exhibit, I guess it's fair to call kind of a set of ride vehicles and display what it might look like. But one of my favorite things was the upper decking area. You notice it's got this rustic kind of wood. It's obviously from somewhere, but what you may not realize is you're walking on Gwazi. RMC literally donated that wood to the museum for them to use in whatever fashion they wanted. And that's not the only piece of recycled material there either, because if you looked underneath that decking, you saw that the stairway support is actually a straight piece of brake track from Big Bad Wolf. And that's a massive credit to Hunter Novotny at Larson, who was able to engineer that to make it work perfectly. Scott, what was your moment when you were in there? It's like one of those photos, you know, where the caption is, the longer you look, the wilder it gets. Because you walk in, and, and I mean, yeah, it's it's overwhelming. There's a lot going on. But when you actually sit there and you start taking things in and you start noticing, wow, I didn't notice that sign. Wow, I didn't notice that, you know, this was here, that was here. I mean, it's just, there's layers upon layers upon layers. But uh, I think for me, like, kind of the most special thing was, you know, being in this hobby, you know, I, I, I've been traveling to theme parks since I guess like 1999, a lot of these ride vehicles or, you know, pieces of track and signage, a lot of them, like I rode that ride 20 years ago and I haven't seen that sign or sat in that train or seen that track in that long because that ride has been gone. And I hate to say it, I almost forgotten about like Orient Express, you know, I was like, Orient Express. You have the train here. Like I remember riding that, you know, back in 1999. It's just, it just really took me back. Or like seeing Mantis, which growing up in Chicago, I mean, I, we'd go to Cedar Point twice a month, and seeing that train is like, wow, you know, it just, it just kind of took me back. It really got me in the feels. Most definitely, and that's something that I get that same feeling too. Whenever I get a chance to go out there, and I know a lot of folks are like, well, it's never open. Like, well, yeah, because it's not done yet. So. The ACE does have, by the way, uh, West Texas Roundup every other summer, an opportunity to head out to the museum. Plus, you get to uh, Joyland in Lubbock and Wonderland in Amarillo. So it's a great 
long weekend and you get a chance to actually see the museum in progress. But I think the real highlight, I think for all of us, and this was something that you know, I didn't know about either. I didn't even know we had these, uh, but the special events area or the buzz bar, it's quite literally a bar at the museum made from old pieces of mean streak, by the way. And then the chandeliers made from pieces of Colossus at magic mountain. Thank you. RMC. You all are awesome at creating bars. <laughs> Thanks guys. You're the best. The, um, oh, and, and, and Macklin wheels. Oh yes. And Macklin wheels. Yeah. Thank you. The bar stools are roller coaster wheels, road wheels, the big wheels, and they are not light. Are they Robert? Uh, not at all. And it's actually more comfy than you might think. It's kind of weird, but yeah, it's very clever use of roller coaster wheel. But the cool part. So we all sit down and then out of nowhere, like out of magic, Gary's like, all right, check these out. And he whips out these five glasses. And we look at him and it's like, oh, look, that's got the, you know, the six flags of Texas. And that's when he tells us, so uh, these are from Angus Wynn's office. These are from his personal collection. And if you don't know, Angus Wynn is the founder of Six Flags. So here we are after a long day of doing some additional shooting for the Ace documentary. We're sitting at the bar built from an old roller coaster bits. And we're sipping a tasty beverage out of Angus Wynn's personal glassware collection. I don't know what to say, Nicholas. Like I, I legitimately, I still don't know what to say. I mean, it's hard to believe that that was, you know, another one of those pinch me moments that that was actually happening. And I, I want to let Robert jump in here because I know he was especially enamored and has brought this moment up multiple times since the trip. And I, I would like to hear, rehear his excitement of that moment again. I personally just couldn't believe that we were holding those because they're so old and just to think like all the conversations that were had around those cups what rides were planned around those cups what parks might have even been discussed <laughs> or planned around those cups it's insane and here we are in plainview texas at a roller coaster museum drinking them at a bar made out of roller coasters it's honestly a very meta moment, I guess you could say. I don't think you could get more meta than that, Scott. Oh, what an experience. Sitting there with you guys, sitting there with Gary, sharing these these stories with us, man, I'm still like at a, like just a loss of words. You know, you just sit there and just when you take in everything that's going on, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It's so awesome. It was as if time had stopped for yeah, that's just a, a few hours. Point. And here we are sitting in this, you know, everything, all the craziness in the world happening around us. And right here in Plainview, Texas, time is standing still. And we're just hearing all the stories, all the great stories, the oral tradition of this industry that you just cannot get anywhere else. And how, how special for us to be able to experience that, but more importantly, how great that we are able to share those ourselves now with others through the documentaries and through the just talking to you all about these and just us every now and then in the in the our, our chats on Facebook or whatnot, where these things will come up again and it just it hits you and you're right back there again sitting at that bar. 
Yeah, it's really quite something to have, um, you know, all of us, I would say, are storytellers. And that's, you know, part of why we we like doing these documentaries is starting to is to tell these stories, especially ones that haven't been told before. But what what I always find great is that there's all these little side quests that happen when we do these projects. And it's like we learn about this thing and that thing happened. And we meet this person because we were nice to them. And it was just out of the goodness of our hearts that we did this. And so like this this whole experience at the buzz bar at the roller coaster museum was again another one of those testaments to if you do good things for for good people good things will happen to you and so there are again you know many moments like this where it's like why why am i the person who gets to experience this like why me why not anybody else and it really i think is a a testament to to that hard work yeah because a lot of people don't realize that we have a lot of zeros on our paychecks Unfortunately, those zeros come before the decimal point and there's nothing else after or before them. So yes, there, there's a lot of free labor involved here, but this things like this make it absolutely worth it. So by all means, take Nicholas and Robert and Scott's advice. And when the announcement comes out for West Texas Roundup in uh, 2023, summer of 2023, jump on it immediately because it's it really is a special event. So we finally get a chance. We're going to crash. We do another long drive. The next day we wake up get out early and we're headed down to SeaWorld San Antonio and got a chance to explore that park for the first time. And well, as if we didn't have enough adventures already, it got windy. And when it gets windy at SeaWorld San Antonio, well, that means one of their rides has to go down and it's the Morgan, not quite a hyper coaster, Steel Eel. Now, Nicholas has a very interesting connection to this ride. Nicholas, you want to tell them what the connection is? And then we can talk about our adventure trying to get you the credit? The connection side of things. So some of you out there who know me well know that I grew up in Northern California and I, despite living in Southern California now, still volunteer for Northern California facets of ACE. But I grew up in a little town called La Selva Beach and La Selva Beach is about 15 minutes south of the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which most people will know. Uh, what La Selva Beach is known for is the headquarters formerly for DH Morgan Manufacturing. For those of you that watch the Legacy of Aero Development or are just fans of manufacturers and the history of the industry will know that Morgan Manufacturing spun off out of Aero, and then they had their little headquarters in the sleepy little town. And I grew up five minutes away from there. And so I have been wanting to ride every single one of their coasters. And so Steel Hill was certainly one of the big ones on the trip to, to hit. But... Mother Nature didn't make it very easy for us, did it, Nicholas? No. As you mentioned, the wind kicked up to speeds, at which point they shut the ride down. And it was down for most of the time we were there to the point where I thought we were either going to have to, I was going to have to force all y'all to get there the next morning when they opened to get on this dang thing, or I was going to cry for the rest of the night because it was looking very bleak. It was not looking good. No, it was not looking good. But Robert, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, I seem to recall uh, Scott was doing POVs on Texas Stingray and having a grand old time over there. So he didn't have to get a workout in, but we sure did, didn't we? Yeah. I don't remember where we started the half speed walk sprint. I do. I do. It was pretty much on the opposite side of the park. And if you've ever been to SeaWorld San Antonio, it's freaking huge. <laughs> yeah, a lake it, it, in the middle of it. Anyways, go here ahead. we are. Nicholas is gone. He's he's gone. I'm trying to catch up behind him. Mind you, it's 
over 85, humid, and I'm from California, the Bay Area. It's never hot, no humidity. <laughs> it gets to 65 at nighttime. I'm dying. Nick, it didn't stop Nick, Nicholas. He was like Olympic no. class power walking. <laughs> I have never seen Nicholas in such a zone, I think, before. He was determined to get that credit. He tackled three young families to make sure that he wasn't <laughs> going to break his stride. They were okay. I bought them off. It was okay. It worked out in the end. No, just kidding. It didn't happen. That didn't happen. I think the worst part though was so we make it up. We get in the we go to the queue gates and everything, air gates, and, and we wait for we, the front row. We wait for the, the front, front row. Car. We literally sit down, about to pull the lap bar down, make sure our seatbelts buckled, ride shuts down again. Yep. We saw the we phone get, call come into the booth and they just look at us like, oh no, we're gonna have to tell them. The answer is no. <laughs> and I could just, you could see just the, the enthusiasm, the joy, and to be honest, the blood from Nicholas just drain from his face <laughs> because here he is sitting in the car. He's buckled in. All they had to do is hit dispatch. That's all they had to do. And no, high winds. And at this point, we're like, you know, less than a half hour before park closure. And I was figuring, you know, if we get any closer to closure, there's there's no reason for them to, re to reopen this for five minutes. I think. It was literally like 15 minutes before the park was going to close, but they, they got it open and we ended up getting two rides on it, which were amazing. Front row and back row. And for anyone who has not had a chance to be on that, there is a reason Steel Eel is so lauded because my goodness, those Camelback Hills are insane. I was just going to say, my favorite part about this whole thing is you three are just stressing out running around this park and then you're sitting there in the train panicked meanwhile i'm just i'm just filming my stuff and then i just you know i i just wander up to steel eel walk right up oh look you guys are sitting there and then i get in the seat with you guys and they send it so there's no stress on my end i'm out there riding rides you guys are freaking out <laughs> well like you know now that you know the connection between uh nicholas and, and la selva beach it's makes just a little yeah. bit more sense but again it's just one of those stupid production moments that becomes the stuff of legend like the rainstorm at kennywood during legacy of arrow 70 80 mile an hour needles in your face getting locked in the trunk well that was just me on purpose but that's a whole nother story everything that you remember about it. it's what makes road trips so great isn't it so good news is we got everything we had a wonderful time shout out to SeaWorld and to ray out there for for helping us out and it just it made our day after that long drive from lubbock and yet we're still not done the next day is our rest day, what we call a rest day, where we're not doing any shooting. We head out to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. The great Jeffrey Siebert, who was unfortunately wasn't there that day, but his team was incredible. That park was just, it's so special, you know, to have a park like that so close, at least to me, but just to have it in that Six Flags chain, it's just really a lot of great people there that, that make that park above and beyond what you would ever expect. Yeah, it's in a really stunning setting for those of you listening out there who aren't aware. It's you know it's built based, it's set it's set in a in a, in a it used to be a quarry, and so there's these really spectacular sheer walls that a handful of the rides are using to their advantage, such as Iron Rattler or Superman, where they will will really um, not just have it as a backdrop, but again use it as a showpiece and an element of the ride. And it's really a, a very well rounded park that's 
really stands out, I would say, among all the rest of the Six Flags parks. In fact, a friend of mine was just there last night, and we, we were just talking about this exact thing, about just how much this park stands out in terms of quality, ride offerings, all of that. It's just it's very, very classy there. So we have a wonderful time, as you would expect. The next day, we wake up right and early. We head over to ZDT's, this tiny little family-owned park in Seguin, Texas, home of the world's largest pecan, by the way in case you were ever wondering. And guys, what'd you think? This is your first time going to ZDTs. It's different, isn't it? It's different, but like adorable and awesome. I don't think there's really anything else like it. Just the fact that Switchback is kind of built right in the middle of the park. And then you have like a master blaster type water slide behind that. And then go-karts next to that. And then Electric go-karts, no less. Belt. Exactly. Electric go-karts and then a drop tower next to that. It's just, it's pretty insane what they have jam-packed in there. And especially this location where you, you're going essentially through a very small town in a, in a fairly industrial area. And then all of a sudden you see a wooden roller coaster come out of nowhere and rock walls going up corn silos. It's like, what is this thing? And I know Danny and Sarah, who are uh, two of the owners, really are it's their life and it's really cool to be able to get a chance to hang out with them and be able to talk about the industry, talk about what they're planning on doing and how they sort of came to be and how ACE has really helped them out, you know, putting them on the map, being out there at special events so that they're always bringing in that extra revenue and that extra support from a PR perspective, just being out there and supporting their parks. It's really cool to know that Ace makes a difference. And so we're still not done because that same day, because we pack in way too much, we head up all the way up. Well, not all the way up, not very far up the road to Austin, Texas and Circuit of the Americas. Now, if you've never heard of this park before, that's okay because technically it didn't exist. So we are heading up there to see Matt Huey, who unfortunately was not there at the time, but we get a chance to check out this brand new, roughly brand new. F1 racetrack that is building a theme park next door. And guys, what'd you think? I uh, have spoken to many people since coming back from this trip about many of the highlights. And there's, I can't tell you how many people I've told about how much I want to go back to Austin just to go to Circuit of the Americas again, because just the the scale of the property is just impressive. And when you go up this observation tower, that's hundred plus feet, very high, you get to see a panoramic view of the entire area. At that point, the, par the theme park is very small looking compared to the size of the track and everything else the, and the grandstands and the fact that this place is going to get a tilt coaster and, and other amazing things. It's just the, like a Gerslauer shuttle coaster, like a Gerslauer shuttle coaster. Make sure that in there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing to see what this place looks like in a couple of years. Robert, how was the experience from the moment we got there? Um, much like all these parks and places in Texas, we were treated with the best hospitality imaginable. After introducing everyone, meeting the team, they're like, let's get in the van. What van? Van? We have an uh, escape. <laughs> uh, okay. So they uh, bring around this big Mercedes Sprinter van and we're driving alongside the F1 track, getting an entire tour of Circuit of Americas. It was incredible. And Honestly, really unexpected. Scott, you're a big race fan. What'd you think? 
I got to go in the control room, basically, of the track, and that was insane. I mean, that's something that you don't ever get to see. The track was just stunning. It's unbelievable. You know, like, I'm a big motorsports guy. I couldn't comprehend that that property and just everything that was on it. And, you know, of course, then we were treated to some some go-kart racing as well. And, of course, I'm very competitive. No. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, if you're not first, you're last. So I had to make sure I turned the fastest lap time on that track, which I did. <laughs> but a uh, humble brag there, everybody. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, man, uh, that, that was just that was just awesome. I mean. They didn't have to have a theme park there for it to be cool. But the fact that they are building this, you know, this awesome Gershlauer and this, you know, Vacoma tail coaster, the fact that they have a Schwarzkopf there, I mean, it's, man, that's just like a game changer in, in my eyes, at least, you know? Yeah. Matt helped rescue a Schwarzkopf Wildcat, a 45 meter model, which is the only one of its kind, I believe, in the U.S., potentially left in the world, that type of model. Yes, there's many Wildcats, but not the 45 meter model. And man, it was so cool to be able to see this ride, which really hasn't technically been open to the public yet, be able to get on it, experience that Schwarzkopf smoothness. I think that's really one of the things that sort of separates them from all the other manufacturers is that these rides are 45, 50 years old at this point. They're still just as smooth as they were. They came out of the factory in Munsterhausen. How is that? How is that possible? And because they were just that darn good? I mean, really, that seems to be the case. Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the big reasons why we're doing this documentary is, is really to showcase the how ahead of their time, you know, how ahead of the time that Schwarzkopf was. And the fact that a lot of these rides are smoother than some rides today and, and the fact that they are as old as they are and ride as well as they do. Uh, that ride is a great example of that amazing engineering and how it still holds up to this day. So Circuit of America's the whole team was awesome there. They pretty much gave us free range of that ride from climbing the lift hill to going inside the end field. Um, just any shot imaginable, they let us do it. It was really cool to be up close and personal with that ride because something I honestly didn't even know, those old wildcat coasters have literally like a physical chain link chain that the car attaches to. It looks so just barbaric and old school. And you're just like, how, how is this even working? But it does. Every shoot's different, especially when I'm shooting, you know, point of view videos. And it, it is really nice to have a part like that, that just says, yeah, you do you and we trust you and just have at it. I think it makes all of our lives easier. And we definitely produce better content in those situations. Oh, definitely. And it's earned, right? Like that's one of the great things about uh, being an ACE member is that that sort of trust and that sort of understanding has been earned over decades of working with these parks and facilities. That's really what makes the ACE difference, really. That sort of ACE advantage that we always talk about is there aren't many organizations that would trust people to do what we've been able to do so far. And this is just one trip, guys. We still got a couple more to do here to, mm -hmm. to finish this out, including a trip all the way over to Germany for you know next uh, September. So my goodness, we're going to have a lot of things to talk about. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, ace, that ace advantage is one of the big reasons we're doing the ace documentary we've talked about a couple of times you know that's called connected by coasters the story of the american coaster enthusiasts and so on all these trips we're kind of tag teaming these two projects working on them in tandem to save ace some money and to be able to produce two projects at the same time but that ace advantage and this trust that parks have you know we've earned that trust over those years that's that's one of the facets of that documentary is showing the value and the importance that ACE has in this industry and how that is related to the whole story. Because most people don't realize a lot of the things that ACE has done and the value that we add to the industry. And so that's just a little hint of what's to come. Well, guys, I think we may have, well, certainly we, we've run out of time here on our Zoom meeting, <laughs> but more importantly, we want to make sure that we don't spoil everything for the documentary, to just say documentaries, uh, as we continue. So what I would suggest is if you haven't yet already follow ace on social media because we always put out cool updates especially when we're out filming uh, we are already planning our next couple of trips which you'll find us around the country and if you happen to spot an old school looking schwarzkopf badge on your ride well that means then that we've been there and we've already filmed it so look for those the next time that you're out at a park and until then man thanks so much for listening to our stories uh, we would love to tell you all the really good ones, but you know, for legal reasons, we can't, but thank you all again for listening. Really appreciate you all appreciate the support and the love you've given the Schwarzkopf documentary. Anything else guys, as we're wrapping up here. One thing I want to mention is we're still taking in any type of Schwarzkopf photos, ACE photos, anything. And we will credit you. Of course we, that's one thing we are strict about. We want to give you credit. Even if you don't want credit, we are going to give you credit. You don't have a chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're your photos. You're getting credit. So please, the email is documentary at aceonline.org. Anything ACE related, Schwarzkopf related, please email us. And we will all get that forwards all to us. We save it to a Google Drive. Have your name written down. And please write out your name, how you'd like to be credited too. Awesome. Well, thank you again, guys, for tuning in and listening to us. Stay tuned for the next Schwarzkopf slash Connected by Coasters update, and we'll see you out there on the rides. Thank you so much to Chris, Scott, Nicholas, and Robert. I'm sure I speak for all of ACE when I say that we cannot wait to see this documentary. And to make sure you don't miss out on any of the updates about the legacy of Schwarzkopf, ACE is on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Now also Threads. Make sure you're subscribed to ACE's page on TikTok and Discord and Instagram. Follow us everywhere to stay on top of all of the coaster and park news coming out and hear what your ACE membership has to offer. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and give us five stars if you can, rate and review. And if you have any questions, comments, or podcast episode pitches for us, please reach out to podcast at aceonline.org. Thanks for listening. Hope you get to ride a Schwarzkopf today. Ride With Us is produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a registered 501c3 organization. Visit ridewithace.com for additional information, and we will see you at the parks.